Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, March 29th, 2014, and this show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. I'm going to be getting into the occult season of sacrifice, a period of time which listeners really need to know about and understand that we have already entered into during the course of this year. I am also going to be breaking down the characteristics of psychopaths and basically doing a review of what psychopathy really is and the characteristics that psychopaths embody. But then we're going to shift gears and start to cover new ground in this show, What on Earth is Happening. We are going to talk about the possible origins of psychopathy as a lead-in, as an intro to future material, which we are going to ease into a little bit because it's going to be probably the heaviest and most controversial material that I have probably covered since I've started broadcasting. So that's coming up on this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Let me give the call-in number right at the top of the show so people can call in and get in the queue. Hopefully, I'll have some time to take calls throughout the show tonight. Uh, definitely want to get into calls uh, later in the show, but uh, you know, as, uh, as things progress, maybe we'll take calls in every hour of the show. So the call-in number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening, 1-800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. I have several event announcements and announcements about what I've been doing, so just please bear with me as I go through some of these, and then we'll get into the material for tonight. I spoke last weekend in Asheville, North Carolina. I gave a, a, an all-day seminar on March 22nd, the official beginning of the season of sacrifice. That's the day that this 40-day time period starts each year. 
and it was a huge success. I have to say, I was absolutely thrilled with how everything went in Asheville. It was a packed house, a beautiful venue at the Lexington Avenue Brewery. And I want to thank Carolyn Guillaume for hosting the event. She did a phenomenal job from beginning to end with uh, uh, all the preparations for this entire event. Um, Like I said, it was a a packed house. And uh, the people, the quality of people who turned out for this event, I can't say enough about. Um, There were potential teachers of natural law and potential teachers of occulted knowledge in attendance at the Asheville seminar. I could tell. We we, we we hung out afterward and talked for hours. I stayed at the Lexington Avenue Brewery until about midnight on Saturday after the presentation because the energy was running so high that I just like didn't really want it to end. And um, uh, I think a lot of people got great value from this seminar. I think it really hit home with a lot of folks who attended, and I think people will be sharing this information with others as a result. So uh, that's the news on the Asheville seminar. It was marred only by one small mishap, and I posted that on my webpage, and it's actually been taken care of. So um, what happened was the audio recording was lost, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to make a video presentation because... Um, I have a a lapel, a wireless lapel microphone system that I usually use to record my audio, the audio component of my lectures or or seminars. And what happened was uh, I patched that wireless uh, receiver through to a laptop computer on which I was recording the audio. And there was no sound engineer on duty. It was just me. I was like wearing that hat as well as speaking on this particular day. Uh, that's kind of a mistake on my part. I really should have someone professionally at the event that is going to do the recording every time. But uh, in this case, I uh, figured I had it covered because I had a good wireless uh, lapel mic system and I had a good laptop. Unfortunately, about 20 to 25 minutes into the morning session of the seminar, the software that I used to record the, the seminar crashed. It, the, the operating system didn't crash, but the actual recording software crashed on me. And uh, around lunchtime, I recognized that we had lost all the audio for the whole morning session. So I didn't even really bother to record the afternoon session because I figured, well, even if I record just that, I'm not going to have anything for from the morning session, so I'm not really going to be able to make a full video, so what's the point? Um, I po- posted word on my website afterward. Uh, that if anybody should have announced it, and I, uh, you know, in going back into and getting my my head together for the second part of the presentation, I neglected to mention it on the microphone on stage that I uh, needed uh, audio recording from someone in in the crowd to to make a video of the presentation afterward. Uh, so I posted that on my website and on my Facebook page, and finally someone did get in touch with me. So that is resolved. Uh, Steve Mercer from Florida steps forward to save the day with a good audio recording that he made in person right in front of the stage up in the front row. Uh, It's a quality recording. It's going to be sufficient to put out a video uh, with this incarnation of this uh, presentation, uh, New Age BS, and the suppression of the sacred masculine revisited. So over the next couple of weeks, I will uh, probably uh, start working on uh, that video editing process and hopefully get a video out within a month uh, tops. 
So uh, thanks, special thanks to Steve Mercer for saving the day with an independent audio recording. And that's why I tell people, anytime I'm speaking, you want to record, break out a video camera, break out an audio camera, and record away. This information is not copywritten by me. It's not, doesn't belong to me. This is information that is the birthright of all intelligent beings everywhere and it is you know the human birthright and uh it's our responsibility to get this information out there in as widely available of a way and in as freely a way as possible so uh, that's my policy on anybody recording my material um a couple of interviews that i did um and some interviews that are coming up I was interviewed by Kevin Tilsner on Zeitgeist Philadelphia Radio, uh, the Zeitgeist Movement here in Philadelphia, on March 27th. And uh, the main topic of discussion was natural law within a resource-based or what is known as a gift economy. And uh, Kevin and I discussed uh, not only that, but we discussed the, the true difference between real property versus erroneous claims of property and what people believe are are their rights to own uh you know everything and take it all you know and that was really stressed during the conversation what's real property uh versus what are uh bogus claims to property so uh, uh you could check that out that is now posted on the what on earth is happening website in the news section uh, I was also interviewed, uh, or actually earlier today, a pre-recorded interview uh, from uh, by Jeff Brady from uh, WBAI. That's uh, 99.5 FM. I believe that's out of Long Island, New York. And uh, th- that will be broken into two sh- live shows. They will both air on Mondays, first March 31st at 10 p.m. Eastern on WBAI, and uh, then at on April 7th at 10 p.m. Eastern, WBAI Network, 99.5 FM, New York. And uh, you could check out Jeff's website at NewYorkSkyWatch.com. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back after these words. We don't need no mind control, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get out. Get out of the mass mind manipulation that is propagated everywhere on this planet. I have a couple more quick event announcements before we get into the material for today's show. Um, Sunday, March 30th, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Actually, that's tomorrow. Uh, I will be interviewed. uh, It will be a part two interview on Starborn Support Radio, great group of people uh, at Starborn Support, uh, hosted mainly by Michael Melton and Chris Augustine, uh, guys who have been involved in the UFO community uh, forever in the Philadelphia area, and like they're the leaders of, you know, uh, promoting awareness of topics such as this, uh, certainly in this vicinity of the country. So uh, I'm I'm really thrilled to be going back on there. Uh, and uh, we're going to continue our discussion of the dark side of the abduction phenomenon and really how we're all under a form of abduction here on the earth. Uh, So part two of my interview on Starborn Support coming up tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can check that out at blogtalkradio.com slash starbornsupport. Wednesday, April 2nd, 
That's this Wednesday coming up, uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on the radio show called Standing in Honor with Will Lehman. Will will be interviewing me for two hours, and uh, you could check that out at webookyourshow.com. Webookyourshow.com. Standing in Honor is the link you want to go to with Will Lehman. I believe he... Uh, uh, podcast through live stream if I'm not mistaken so you could check that out there Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern I'll be on full spectrum radio for out of Denver Colorado on April 5th I believe that's next Saturday so I'll be doing two shows that day uh, this show during the day from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern and then I'll be doing my show uh, of course uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, Full Spectrum is available on KZKO Radio. That's KZKORadio.com. So uh, lots of interviews lined up for the whole month of uh, April. Uh, it's going to be a real busy month for me. Another great event announcement that I have is the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary screening night is back in the Philadelphia area. We uh, had to stop doing this because we lost access to our venue. We uh, We were hosting these great free documentary uh, screening and discussion evenings at a scene market in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, a scene got sold to new ownership, and the new owner wants nothing to do with uh, the education of the people of the world. Uh, he's clearly all about nothing but the fake one eye uh, as his god. So, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, with money being a lot of people's gods, uh, we had to we had to take up a, a search for a new venue, so a scene was out uh, because of that reason, and now we have finally located a new venue. So the last one we did live was out in uh, it was back in November. Uh, the next one that's going to come come up will the first one at the new venue, which is Guerin Recreation Center. And let, let me tell you something: this place is great. In the middle of South Philadelphia, and it has a free parking lot for people who attend the recreation center. So anybody coming out to this, not only is it at a a great new venue, in which case the people want us there and are really actively involved in wanting to spread information out to the the people to help them become more informed. Uh, Not only is that the, the spirit in which this new venue is accepting us, but... There is free parking at the venue, and you don't even have to worry about parking on the street or look, riding around looking for a parking spot. There's a huge parking lot that is free for people who attend the recreation center. Uh, Guerin Recreation Center is at 16th and Jackson Streets in Philadelphia. The exact address is 1600 Jackson Street. And uh, the meetup will now take place on the third Thursday of every month here in Philadelphia. So for people in the Philadelphia area, every third Thursday of the month, Guerin Recreation Center, 16th and Jackson Streets. The first meeting, the first meetup for the free documentary screening and discussion night will be Thursday, April 17th, 2014 at 7 o'clock p.m. We'll be going each third Thursday from about 7 p.m. to maybe about 9.30, something like that. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm really excited about the new venue. The first film, documentary film we're going to show uh, on April 17th is it's actually a repeat. We've shown this one before, but I we feel that it's so important that more people need to see it. And I, we figured at a new venue where new people are going to be coming out, we really want them to see this film. It's called I Am Fishhead. A very strange name for a film, but 
there's a real reason behind that name. I'll, br- I'll read a brief description of this film we're going to show on April 17th here in Philadelphia. Uh, the film is called, again, I Am Fishhead. It is a well-known fact that our society is structured like a pyramid. The very few people at the top create the conditions for the majority below. Who are these people at the top? Can we blame them for all of the problems our society faces today? Guided by the old adage that a fish rots from the head, the filmmakers have set out to follow that fishy odor. And they found out that it is that people at the top who are more, those people at the top who are more likely to be psychopaths than the rest of us. And this is going to be a topic we're going to talk about a lot tonight on the show. Who or what is a psychopath? Unlike Hollywood's stereotypical image of a psychopath, psychopaths are not always bloodthirsty monsters from slasher movies, you know, and serial killers. Actually, that nice old lady who chatted you up on the subway this morning could be a psychopath. So could your elementary school teacher, or your grinning boss, or even your so-called loving boyfriend. The medical definition of psychopathy is very simple. A psychopath is a person who lacks empathy and lacks conscience. The qualities which guide human beings when we choose, when we make a free will decision between good and evil, between moral behavior or immoral behavior. Most of us, however, are conditioned, most of us are conditioned to do good things with our lives, but psychopaths are absolutely not. They, their impact on society is staggering, yet altogether, psychopaths barely make up 1% of the population, and if I had to venture a guess, it's far less than that, uh, a, uh, the primary psychopathic uh, uh, type is far less than 1%. Through interviews with renowned psychologists and leading experts on psychopathy, this film, I Am Fishhead, delves into the dark world of psychopaths, revealing shocking implications for human beings and our society. So this film, free screening, coming up Thursday, April 17th in South Philadelphia, the Guerin Recreation Center, 1600 Jackson Street, and we'll be having free documentary screenings there once a month on the 3rd Thursday of every month. Really looking forward uh, to this new meetup. Uh, one more thing, there is a support uh, donation button on the whatonearthishappening.com website. If you feel that you've received value from this radio show or the many podcasts previously that I've done, feel free to make a voluntary donation through the support button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. It's, it's the only uh, method of support that I have posted on that site. You'll notice I sell nothing. There is nothing merchandised on my entire website. I don't sell advertising, even the small buttons from other uh, organizations that are posted on my site are done there through just consent, mutual consent, because I happen to agree with some of the, uh, you know, agendas that those groups are working toward. And uh, I don't sell advertising on my site. I don't sell any products on my site. So uh, if you feel that you've received value from the information that I've put out over the years, there is a support donation button on the website, completely voluntary. So, I want to direct everybody's attention to the whatonearthishappening.com website on the radio show tab. If you're not already there listening to the show live from the radio show tab, uh, go to that radio show tab because it is there 
where I post the images for today's show. The images for tonight's show can be found right underneath the player on the radio show tab of whatonearthishappening.com. You'll see them there. They're listed as numerical links. You can click on them and a little um, slideshow will come up. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So let's jump into the material. Once again, images for what I'm going to be talking about are posted uh, as numerical links on the whatonearthishappening.com radio show tab. Okay. um, We are in, right now, a time period of the year known as in the occult, specifically the dark occult, as the season of sacrifice. So what does this mean? What is this time period and what does it represent? On slide number one for tonight, you'll see the image of the zodiac wheel representing the course of one year. Okay? I've placed on this image the sun at the middle because what the zodiac uh, constellations really are about are the path of the sun relative to the path of the earth. That's all it really is. It's a way of tracking time. As the year progresses, the sun can be seen to rise in front of a different zodiacal house at approximately a one-month period. Uh, for approximately a one-month period. Then after uh, a month duration, it can be seen to be rising uh, on the eastern horizon in front of a a different zodiacal house. Okay? Um, This is uh, uh, just a a, a method of looking at the solar movement, or really it's the Earth's movement around the sun, during the course of a year, like one big clock, you know, with, with 12... Uh, our hands, but they really represent one month, okay? So each uh, zodiacal house represents about a month's time. Now, the the ancients divided the zodiacal year into quarters, okay? You had the time period of the year where there were equal amounts of day and night because of the Earth's um, uh, axis of rotational tilt with respect to its plane of orbit. I know that's a mouthful, but if you just envision the sun at the middle and the earth going around the sun, making a revolution around the sun in its orbital pathway, you have to also envision that the earth is tilted with respect to that plane of orbit at a 23, approximately 23.5 degree angle. Its axis of rotation is tilted. So that is what creates our seasons. Okay, and when the sun is actually at a um, zero degree um, uh, angle to the equator of the earth, that is when the earth, uh, the time period uh, of the year is said to be uh, the equinoxes. And equinox literally means equal night. Equa meaning equal and nox meaning night in Latin. So it means an equal amount of day and night, all right? 
uh, uh, throughout the throughout the world, basically. Um, this is the spring equinox, which is March 19th or 20th, and the autumn equinox, or fall equinox, which is September 21st or 22nd. At those two times of the year, the sun is actually at a zero degree angle with respect to the equator of the earth. So that's a line that is this horizontal line on this image from equinox, the spring equinox at the left to the autumn equinox at the right. The vertical line represents the time periods of the year that are known as the solstices. The solstices are the the high point of the sun during the course of the year and the low point of the sun during the course of the year. So the summer solstice is around June 20th or 21st. That's when the sun has made its highest angle with respect to the equator of the earth. The sun is at the highest point that it is going to be observationally located in the northern hemisphere. Conversely, when the sun is at the winter solstice, that's when the sun is at its lowest observational point in with respect to the equator of the earth. It is actually at a 23.5 degree south angle with respect to the equator. So that's its lowest point that it can observationally be, be observed in the southern hemisphere. Okay, So throughout the course of a year, the sun makes a journey from the 23.5 degree south latitude with respect to the equator. Then it goes, as the year progresses, it goes up to the spring equinox, whereas it is a, at a zero degree angle with respect to the equator. Then it rises further into the northern hemisphere, and then it finally goes to the, its apex, which is at 23.5 degrees north latitude. And then it finally starts descending back again and goes past the autumn equinox, which is zero degrees, again, right at the equator, finally back down to the winter solstice around December 21st, 22nd. Uh, the, can- the tropics on the earth, these are uh, latitudinal lines, okay? The 23.5 degree north tropic is when the sun is at the summer solstice. That's called the Tropic of Cancer because the sun is actually getting ready to enter into the house of cancer on the zodiac. It will be rising in front of the stars known as the constellation of cancer at that time period. Conversely, when the sun is at its lowest point, it is at the Tropic of Capricorn because the sun will be rising in front of the constellation Capricorn at that time period of the earth. That's 23.5 degrees south latitude uh, below the equator. So the ancients uh, depicted this quarterly time period, the seasons, they quartered the year by, by placing these two arms of the cross, these four arms, I, I guess you could say, the, the two crossbars of the cross forming four arms, the solstices, summer and winter solstice, and the equinoxes, spring and autumn equinox. And this formed a huge cross, which was what the sun was then placed upon. Again, this is all astrotheological underpinnings of Christianity, of exoteric Christianity that is based on astrotheology. We're not talking about the true esoteric tradition of real uh, esoteric Christianity. We're talking about the astrotheological tale that is spun and given to the masses, the hordes of ignorant people, and told a story about the sun, and they're actually, you know, giving that to people and, and telling them it's about the savior of the world when in fact they're giving them a story about the sun. I've talked about this extensively on former uh, broadcasts. I'm not going to get into the full story of astrotheology today. 
But um, another way of looking at this zodiacal breakdown of the year is that there really only were two seasons. The high point of the sun, when it's in the northern hemisphere, which is where most life on earth is, and then the low season of the sun, uh, the time that it was in the southern hemisphere. So from the spring equinox to the autumn equinox, the sun is in the northern hemisphere of the earth. And that's the planting and growing season. And really the, the harvesting season as well. At least most of the harvesting season is during that time of the year. So you could call this top portion of the zodiacal year from, you know, the, the top 90 degrees, top 180 degrees, I should say, from the spring equinox to the autumn equinox. You could call this the season of life or the season of light because that's when the sun is having efficacy and power in the northern hemisphere and that's when crops grow for the majority of people on the earth then there was a season of darkness that's a six-month period where the sun is in the southern hemisphere where much less of the population of the earth is actually located far less so this was known by the ancients as the season of death okay it's the season that crops do not grow and winter is coming in and you're not going to do any real growing or harvesting of, of a lot of crops that sustain life, you know, plant life that sustains life in the Southern Hemisphere. So that was a season of, of shutdown. That was a season of life going into dormancy. That was a season of uh, plants going into dormancy. And that was a season of basically bunkering down and having to survive during inhospitable uh, climate during that time of the year. Hence, it was known as the season of death or the season of darkness. Now, the uh, ancients also had um, midpoints of these four seasons, okay, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. The midpoints were also celebrated as important times of the year, particularly in occult circles, all right? These are known as Sabbaths, S-A-B-B-A-T, and it's one of the places we get the word Sabbath from. So the Sabbath was a, a, a high holiday. All right, and it was uh, different celebrations for different times of the year. The midpoint of spring, in which the fixed sign of the zodiac known as Taurus was the representation of the spring season, the bull. Okay, it's an earth sign, uh, and again, it's one of the, what's called the fixed signs of the zodiac forming what's known as the great cross. The lesser cross is, as we've already talked about, the cross of the solstices and equinoxes. But the grand cross was a galactic cross. See, the solstice and equinox cross, or the lesser cross, was the cross of the solar system. But then there's a galactic or great cross, which is formed by the midpoints of the seasons. We'll pick that up right on the other side of this break. Stay with us. breakdown of the occult season of sacrifice to help everyone to understand what this time period is in the world of the occult, specifically the dark occult. 
we were talking about the seasons, how the ancients viewed the breakdown of the year as two basic seasons, one of light and life and one of darkness and death. And uh, they had these midpoints that they celebrated, depicted here by these uh, red arrows that uh, go right through the mid, uh, the middle points of the season and the middle of each uh, central zodiacal house, which are the fixed signs of the zodiac, forming what is known as the Grand Cross or the Galactic Cross because it actually sets the uh, reference for the center and edge of the Milky Way galaxy. So the midpoint of spring was known as Valpurgisnacht or St. Valpurgis's Night. And um, uh, it was May 1st, May Day, simply. Uh, that's the midpoint of spring. The midpoint of summer was, and, and uh, I'll just briefly tell you what these seasons represented, the midpoints represented. This holiday represented uh, fertility and the emergence of life and also offering a sacrifice uh, of some kind to ensure bountiful harvests during the coming growing and harvesting season. So again, spring is the planting season where you want to get all your crops into the ground so that they grow uh, bountifully and you have a good harvest so that you can feed yourself and your society throughout the winter period, the season of death. Uh, The midpoint of the summer season was uh, known as Lamas. Uh, It's August 1st or simply referred to as midsummer. And uh, this was a season of thankfulness it was a harvesting time of the year. Uh, it was a, a celebration of uh, bounty and life again. And uh, also it was uh, being thankful for what you did have at, at harvest or pr- prior to harvest because you knew that it was going to be time soon to um, dig in uh, for the, the, the time period of darkness in which in which time the sun was going into the uh, southern horizon and uh, would basically stay there for uh, six coming months. The midpoint of uh, the autumn season was known as Sowin or uh, Hollow Mass. Uh, We know it as Halloween. And it was uh, celebrated around October 31st at the midpoint of Scorpion. Again, the midpoint of Leo is the uh, midpoint of the summer. Okay, Leo is the, uh, the lion uh, it's depicted as the lion because that's the uh, the time that the sun is roaring and it's the time that the, the rays of the sun are emerging like a, a lion's mane. So uh, very symbolic depictions. Again, the bull was chosen for the Zodiac of Taurus because that's when the sun is beginning its charge in up into the northern hemisphere and it's charging toward its time period of greatest strength in the summer. Uh, the scorpion represented the time period when the sun was losing its power. Hence, it was stung by the venom of a creature like the scorpion, and it was on its way down to its lowest point of power, the winter solstice. So, uh, hollow mass was always about the going into the season of death and looking on uh, back on lost, uh, lost loved ones. Um, it was a reflection time of the year because you knew you were heading into the, the, the darkest and coldest point of the year, which is when the sun is at its lowest point of power in the winter. So um, uh, uh, October 31st, or the midpoint of fall, Sabbath, Sowin, was about reflection and about the pondering of impermanence and death 
and uh, uh, also about, uh, again, preparation. So the last uh, midpoint or Sabbath was uh, February 2nd, which is known as Candle Mass or in some uh, uh, other uh, uh, older traditions like uh, the Druidic tradition, it was called Imbolc. And this was a time period for looking forward to the coming year because, again, the beginning of the year was always looked at the time period when the um, sun would rise forward into the northern hemisphere of the earth. Uh, again, the spring equinox that was more more celebrated as the beginning of the year than any other time period. Certainly not like we do in January, which is a more arbitrarily chosen point. The ancients viewed the time period when the sun would begin to to, to rise up into the northern hemisphere as the beginning of at least the zodiacal year. Uh, in other ancient traditions, they viewed the low point of the sun as the birth and death point of the cycle. So, uh, because, you know, it's at its lowest point or it's death. And it's also at the point where it's going to begin to, uh, come up toward the Northern hemisphere again, to restart its uh, circular journey around, or, uh, the, the course of, uh, the course of its, uh, perceived rotation revolution around the earth. So, um, the midpoint of, of winter, what, uh, or in bulk or candle mass, uh, was celebrated at February 2nd. And this was a time period of, uh, prediction of looking forward to the coming year and also of um, uh, making uh, resolutions for the coming year, saying what you were going to do to create change, you know, and hopefully following through with it. So it was a time of looking forward. And it was also a time where, you know, the darkest and coldest period of the winter was, you know, starting to move on. And you were looking forward to that spring time period at the uh, spring equinox when warmer uh, climate would be would lie ahead, and you would um, uh, the sun would be emerging out of its tomb of the period uh, time uh, the half of the year known as the time period of death or darkness, and coming back up into the northern hemisphere. So if we move to slide number two, uh, we can see uh, this is another representation just showing where the sun is at at particular times of the year. Again, it's at its lowest point between Sagittarius and Capricorn. That's when it's at the uh, Tropic of Capricorn, uh, 23.5 degrees south with respect to the equator. Then it's at its midpoints at the equinoxes, okay? And specifically at the spring equinox, it's rising up into the northern hemisphere, okay? If we then follow its progression, it goes up to the summer solstice. That's when it's at the Tropic of uh, Cancer at the top of the zodiac. And then it turns back around and comes back down, uh, back down to the uh, fall equinox, the autumn equinox, and then back down to the winter solstice and repeats the cycle all, all over again. The special time period I'm talking about is from the time just after the spring equinox. Again, the spring equinox is March 19th or 20th, depending on the year. It's the time period the sun is exactly at zero degrees with respect to the equator of the earth meaning there are equal amounts of day and night, and the sun is rising into the northern hemisphere from the southern hemisphere. So this, the March 22nd is a very important date, and it, it, it's um, very synchronistic and synchromystic that my seminar in Asheville on New Age BS was conducted on March 22nd, because that's a very dark date or a dark holiday, I guess you could say, for the dark occult. 
And I use it as an opportunity to spread some light to people in the Asheville area. And people came from all over the country for that event. I mean, there were people from California, Florida, the New England, uh, Ohio, Kansas, you name it, all over the entire continental United States, people gathered to, to, to check out the seminar. I was awed by it and uh, really appreciative that so many people traveled from so far away. And there were some Asheville locals there as well. So a really good, diverse crowd. And um, this date is very important because it represents the third day after the exact uh, uh, time period where the sun is exactly at the um, equatorial point, zero degrees with respect to the Earth's equator. Um, Three days after that, the sun is said to emerge from its tomb. And again, here we come into alignment with the astrotheological story of Jesus. He rises from the tomb after three days because he is the light of the world. The sun is the light of our world. The Savior that renews us each spring season and stays in the northern hemisphere until he finally uh, goes into that, that fall period and then dies on the cross of the zodiac at the winter solstice. So again, this is astrotheological uh, tale of, of religion. And we'll pick this up right on the other side of the break, and I'll fully explain when is the season of sacrifice when we come back. what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're into hour two of the show this evening, talking about the occult season of sacrifice. Kind of a little bit of a review for longtime listeners, but I really want people who are new listeners on Republic Broadcasting to understand this material. It's critical to understand, especially at this time period of the year. So, um... Let's go back to uh, slide number two uh, on the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page. I was talking about the time period of the year where the sun actually breaks the plane of the um, uh, the equatorial plane. Uh, The sun actually moves uh, from the zero degree mark to just above the position that represents the zero degree point, the actual uh, equatorial plane. And uh, when the solar disk fully breaks that plane, that day is March 22nd. Again, the equinox is March 19th or 20th. And then three days after that, the sun is said to fully emerge from its tomb. The light, the, the, the God's sun emerges from its tomb, from its 
period of death. It had died three months prior to that, or in other words, days during the zodiacal year. Okay, the three month period from uh, when it entered the house of Capricorn, progressing through Aquarius through Pisces. That's the death season of the sun. It's the 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 darkest time of the year. That's winter. Okay, the darkest and coldest time of the year. Finally, when the sun breaks the equatorial zero degree point and starts making its way back up to the northern hemisphere, the season of life begins again and the world is rejuvenated. And that's the time of life bursting forward and spring, the emergence of spring and things start to grow again. And we move into the planting season. And I'm not going to belabor this too much because we've already really gone into this. Uh, if people really want to hear a more in, uh, uh, extensive breakdown, you could check out show number 51 and 52 where I break down fully the season of sacrifice. But I'm just doing a review here. Uh, and at the bottom of this slide, you'll see a couple of Masonic tracing boards. Uh, in esoteric Freemasonry, this is well known that uh, you know the path of the sun, and it represents symbolically... Uh, light and darkness within the individual and our journey, our path in consciousness, that we need to get away from earthbound identification and to uh, higher godly thoughts, you know, that represent light. And so the first degree tracing board, which is the tracing board of the entered apprentice, again, I've broken it down extensively over many, uh, in many past shows, but just to do a very fast review, if you turn this tracing board onto its side, 90 degrees clockwise or to the right, you'll see that what it really represents is the earth being the checkerboard floor of the house, which is that, that represents the lines of latitude and longitude of the earth. And that's the Western direction because the earth is currently in darkness and we need to move east toward the Eastern direction up the ladder. And as we move up the ladder in consciousness, we're moving out of the season of darkness, which is the, you know, down in the Southern hemisphere, the direction South pinpointed there at the bottom, uh, which represents the time of darkness and, and progressing up to the, to the light of the sun. Okay. So, uh, which is the, the light moving toward the northern hemisphere at the summer solstice. And the three initiates on the ladder represent knowledge, which is the, the desire to step into knowledge is coming off the floor of the house. True care is the green initiate in the middle, the place of balance holding the key, which is the generative principle of care, of true care. And then finally, to right action, the initiate holding the child at the top of the ladder, which represents the solar child, the savior of the world, which is right action in the world. It's a beautiful symbol if it's decoded properly. Many people don't know the first thing about decoding any Masonic symbolism, including Masons, believe it or not, first and foremost, because they're Masons in name only, and they have no idea what the true esoteric tradition of Freemasonry is even intended to be about. They're in it for an old boys club of receiving and doing favors for other people, uh, not about receiving true moral instruction and the real difference between right and wrong modalities of behavior, uh, which is what esoteric true Freemasonry is supposed to be about, uh, not the watered-down nonsense that is taught in lodge systems today where they don't even teach them the proper decoding of their own symbolism. Uh, it's similar to what the church has done with esoteric Christianity, turning into, into exoteric Christianity and, and just turning it into a control system. It's no different. 
But uh, this tracing board on the right-hand side is known as the tracing board of Tubal Cain in the lower right-hand corner of slide number two. Uh, this cryptic tracing board is about the season of death and darkness at the bottom portion, uh, in which case the soul is actually in a tomb. And then uh, that we need to burst forth from that tomb into the light of the uh, northern hemisphere where the light is actually, uh, you know, present, the season of life and light and enlightenment. And uh, unfortunately, when we do that, we see that the world is in ruins. You know, it's not a pleasant thing. The world is, uh, we burst forth from that tomb of darkness of not being able to see the world as it really is. And when we finally do emerge into the light of day, we notice that the world is a, a horrible place. And it's a, a, a place of a decay and death and ruin. And our job is to rebuild it, is to rebuild it in a way that is in keeping with common sense and with truth and with uh, right behavior according to natural law. If Freemasonry is understood in the proper sense, people would, would receive those teachings, uh, which is its original intent in the esoteric Masonic tradition, certainly not the exoteric lodge system tradition as it is taught today. But I've, again, gone over that so extensively in former podcasts on Freemasonry. You could get that all in the whatonearthishappening.com podcast archive. Just go to the podcast section. Do, do a search on page for Freemasonry. And there, I did something like 10 or 12 podcasts on that tradition, uh, breaking down all of its, pretty much all of its symbolism. So uh, not to belabor that point, let's move on to slide number three about the season of sacrifice. This is the last slide about this particular topic for tonight. Uh, the date March 22nd is the official beginning of the season of sacrifice. Many uh, rituals and many um, uh, important um, th you know, uh, symbolic things that were carried out are often done on uh, March 19th. You could say March 19th is really the beginning of the season of sacrifice because it's the spring equinox. So many people will consider that's the actual beginning. I would say the official in earnest beginning of this uh, occult season of the year, this one eighth portion of the year, in other words, the first half of the spring season is actually March 22nd. And it comprises the last nine days of March, from March 22nd to 31st, the entire month of April, and the first day of May, May 1st. That makes a total of 40 days. Again, that's a very highly symbolic and biblically symbolic number. 40-day time period represents a journey. It represents an odyssey. It represents a, uh, a sacred uh, uh uh, journey in consciousness biblically uh, throughout time actually in all kinds of esoteric traditions 40 days is a symbolic spiritual period now in the dark occult okay it's a very negative period now they may not even look at it like that but for the bulk of humanity this is a dark time period they look at it like a time to celebrate by giving a blood sacrifice to the sun and the earth this is what you have to understand about dark occultists. Their god is literally the sun in many cases. Of course, it's the ego. Of course, it's the dark force which divides the consciousness of humanity, which you could call the opposer, the adversary, Satan. It doesn't make a difference what you want to refer to that force as. It's the adversarial force of consciousness. I don't look at it as an embodied entity, nor do they. Uh, but uh, the sun is in many ways viewed as the literal or physical god of their um, tradition, of the dark occult tradition, which they will often refer to as Lucifer. 
uh, the one who wants to be like the god of creation because uh, of his form of light. And their form of light is dark light, the dark sun. That is their their order, the order of death, the order of the dark sun. What this represents is knowledge being wielded as a weapon, the dark sun. It's it's the skull and the bones, intellect and action with no compassion, with no heart, with no spirit. We'll pick up the symbolism of the season of sacrifice on the other side of this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. happening. I've been breaking down the occult season of sacrifice and some of its symbolic imagery. Uh, One of the images is the skull and bones. Again, they use the date 322, uh, which is the beginning of the season of sacrifice, to actually represent their lodge. Uh, This is a clandestine lodge known as the Order of Skull and Bones or the Order of Death because it represents the dark sun. Once again, uh, the, the dark side of the sun is the dark side of knowledge. It's using knowledge, which is represented by the skull. That's where knowledge uh, takes place within the brain. And, you know, the skull is the symbol of that. And then the bones, the crossbones, represent taking action uh, with that knowledge. But you'll notice that there's something that's missing. Heart or care or the spirit is uh, absent from that equation. So... Um, uh, that's why they cho- choose that symbolism. And you'll see it there on the left-hand side of uh, image number three for tonight. Uh, you'll see the uh, coffin of Hiram Abiff. This is the uh, Masonic... Sim- uh, Hiram Abiff represents the Masonic Christ. He is the Masonic symbol of enlightenment. And uh, it's about the soul's journey out of darkness and into light, out of the state of spiritual deadness emerging from his coffin uh, and resurrecting. Okay, from a state of spiritual deadness or spiritual darkness to a place of enlightenment, to a, uh, a um, uh, mindset of enlightenment in consciousness. So uh, on the uh, coffin of Hiram Abiff here on the third degree tracing board, you'll see the symbol of the skull and bones. That's what keeps Hiram Abiff in his grave. You have to transcend the skull and bones and develop true care in order to emerge from the grave, from the coffin of spiritual infancy and spiritual deadness. Uh, It's actually, again, a very beautiful symbol if it's uh, decoded properly. Once again, many people have a very singular or unidimensional uh, way of seeing Masonic uh, symbolism and imagery. And this is uh, largely propagated because uh, Freemasonry has been co-opted and turned into something that is quite dark and not used for anything resembling its original intent or purpose, as I've said before. Uh, To continue on the season of sacrifice, what we need to understand about it is it is a time period which was traditionally about offering a sacrifice in the form of a blood sacrifice of animals or human beings to the sun and the earth at the beginning of the planting season of the year, or in other words, the first half of spring. If you look at the season of life, 
the 180 degree section of the zodiac at the top portion in the previous images I, I gave. Uh, you could break that down into four quarters. You have the, the two seasons, which, you know, that's the quarter of the whole zodiac, spring and summer. But you each break those down into two components. So you have the midway points that separate those two seasons. Uh, the midpoint of Taurus, which is May 1st, Valpurgis Noct, and the midpoint of uh, summer, which is August 1st or Lamas Day. And um, uh, that would therefore... Uh, quarter that top top portion of the zodiac, the top half, uh, into four quarters, and um, the first quarter of that first season, or in other words, the first half of spring, okay, is the season of sacrifice. In other words, from the spring equinox to the midpoint of spring, the middle of Taurus, May first. And like I said, officially, if you really want to be technical about it, it is March 22nd or three days after the beginning of spring, three days after the spring equinox, when the sun has, the solar disk has fully emerged into the northern hemisphere until the midpoint of spring. Again, the reason for this is because this is planting season. And if the sun is your god that you're essentially worshiping as the giver of life, on the earth in a physical sense because that's what sustains life and grows crops that you're going to be dependent upon for life during the coming year then you want to offer that god the sacrifice at the very point of his coming to power which is the beginning of spring specifically the first half of spring so what this is still done because the people who are this solar cult who essentially uh, came out of the ancient world and developed the systems of astrotheology and modern religion are still in control. They still rule the world. And they are still practicing their rituals of sacrifice. And they do it in different ways now. They don't march people up a pyramid and carve their heart out with an obsidian blade. Uh, they don't tie someone down to a stone altar and, you know, uh, cut them open and let them bleed all over the stone anymore. They may do this in private rituals and ceremonies that they keep well hidden from the public, but um, in public, a different form of sacrifice takes place. And these are commonly known as, in today's parlance, false flag operations. They are uh, psyops, psychological warfare operations, in the form of rituals. These are modern day rituals of blood sacrifice that are conducted throughout the course of, a year, of the year. And it's amazing if you really look at the patterns. And some people will say, oh, this is, you're just seeing what you want. You're seeing the patterns you want. This is confirmation, bias, etc., and so forth. And once again, I'll preface this by saying, hey, believe whatever you want. But nobody's going to tell me that all of these things don't amount to something that is larger than coincidence when I read you this list. Okay, Especially when you look at all the justifications that have followed these acts and how many people have perished in these acts and how long the media has gone on and on and on about them and how politicians and control-based groups have all uh, used these horrible, horrific circumstances as justifications to peddle forth draconian agendas. All right, Nobody's going to tell me that's just coincidence that these all happened during this 40-day time period of the year. All right, So I'll read a short list. All right, and that's what, that's all I'm bringing this forward for people to keep in mind. You have to understand this is a time period these psychopath lunatics love to trot out 
an event to get people in deep levels of fear and give up more of their rights. So now is the time period to be hyper vigilant. I'm not saying anything's definitely going to happen. I'm saying it may very well occur during this 40-day period, which we are already in, which started on March 22nd, one week ago, and which progresses until May 1st, May Day. All right? So you really have to be on guard, be vigilant during this time. This is the time, if some event happens, it's almost guaranteed it's a false flag event. And it's done as a blood ritual, a bloodletting ritual during the season of sacrifice. Okay? So let's, um, let's look at some of the events that have occurred during this, se- this season. The battles of Lexington and Concord were actually initiated by the British Empire against America. Prior, the opening acts, the opening volley, volleys of the first American Revolution, April 19th, 1775, the battles of Lexington and Concord. And folks, let me tell you something. They love April 19th and 20th. If there's a particular date they love, that's it. Especially April 19th and 20th. Especially April 20th. If I even had to say one particular date. They just they love those two dates. Okay? That time period is special for these psychopath dark occultists. All right. I can't tell you exactly why it's around that date, but I know they love those two dates. And if there's any dates you want to watch and see that is an event going to be taking place on this date that is there to inject fear into the consciousness of humanity, it is April 19th and 20th, all right? above all other dates of the year. So April 19th, 1775, the British initiate the battles of Lexington and Concord. April 19th, once again, 1861, the Baltimore riots in Baltimore, Maryland. 13 people are killed during those riots. We'll pick up this list on the other side. Stay right there. There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I want to wrap up this uh, spot on the season of sacrifice, maybe go to a couple of calls, and then I want to break into the second portion of tonight's show, which is to talk about psychopathy and its origins. So, um, this 40-day time period, all of these different events have happened within it. The battles of Lexington and Concord, the Baltimore riots, which in which 13 people, another symbolic number, uh, was killed April 19, 1861. The sinking of the Titanic occurred April 14th and into April 15th, 1912, uh, resulting in 1,512 deaths. And uh, folks, if you don't understand that that was about really the murder of one individual and uh, 1,511 souls got caught up in a a dispute between some elites, um, you know, I feel bad for you because that was about the Rothschild dynasty taking out 
one of the people who actually could have st- stood against them because of his enormous wealth as an industrious an, uh, an industrialist, which was John Jacob Astor. And uh, you don't think that these psychopathic lunatics would kill 1,500 people to get one uh, person who could actually stand against them because of the enormous wealth he possessed, and he was challenging their agenda to bring in the Federal Reserve System at that time. Uh, you have another thought coming to you. Uh, so uh, that that's the kind, uh, again, like they'll kill 3,000 innocents to uh, usher in some uh, war in the Middle East to seize, uh, you know, resources that they want. Uh, these aren't people who think like you and I or have the moral sensibilities that you, are, you or I do. To ascribe our moral uh, or ethical sensibilities to a psychopath is making a critical error in judgment. And we'll talk about that later in the show. So um, the assassination of Martin Luther King during the season of sacrifice, April 4th, 1968. Again, someone who was making significant inroads into the challenging of the uh, dominant paradigm. Uh, and who people were listening to. Um, the Waco Massacre. Again, the Massacre at Waco. April 19th, 1993. They love this date. There's the third one. Okay. Here's another one. The Oklahoma City bombing. April 19th, 1995. See, we're getting into rapid progression now. You know, almost every year, every other year. The Port Arthur, Australia Massacre, which ended up with... Uh, in uh, total gun confiscation within the whole uh, country of of Australia, April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety six. The Heaven's Gate uh, cult suicides, very strange with occult ritual overtones, uh, possible MK Ultra mind control type stuff going on uh, in San Diego, California. March 26th, 1997. I don't have the total number of deaths there. I'm sure it's some sort of a symbolic number. Uh, These lunatics, uh, uh, these lunatic dark occultists do love their ritualistic numbers and their, uh, you know, gematria. Um, The West Side Middle School Massacre in Arkansas, March 24th, 1998. Again, uh, at the uh, uh, beginning portion of the season of sacrifice. Here's a huge one uh, to try to justify, you know, uh, weapons bans and, you know, continued gun confiscation. The Columbine high uh, uh, high school shootings, April 20th, 1999. Again, there's April 20th, Hitler's birthday as well, April 20th, 420. Uh, The Columbine shootings, again, that's another one named after the goddess. A lot of these uh, rituals and blood sacrifices will be named after the goddess Columbia is the name of the goddess because that's the destruction of care, the immolation of care, the cremation of care. See, it's just another symbolic of the burning of the goddess, another form of symbolism regarding the burning of care. Uh, So the Columbine shootings, April 20th, 99. The Iraq war begins on March 19th, the very beginning of the season of sacrifice. You could say that's even a couple days before its official opening. Uh, at right at the spring equinox. Okay, so the Iraq be- war begins with the shock and awe bombing campaign, which is actually another um, reference symbolically to the goddess because it's not just shock and awe, it's shock and awe, shakinah. The shakinah is a uh, Hebrew term to represent the feminine force, 
okay, invoking the feminine destructive force, actually. It's like the Shiva force, okay, in the Eastern traditions, the Shakinah. And that was the occult overtones that opened up the war in Iraq um, on March 19th, 2003, the second Iraq war uh, that was. So uh, then we have the Virginia Tech um, massacre, uh, Virginia Tech uh, University, April 16th, 2007. Again, another uh, pre-justification for uh, starting to uh, claim that we have to ban certain kinds of firearms, okay? And um, uh, again, named after the goddess, done at a school, uh, where uh, it's named after the goddess, the virgin, okay? More goddess symbolism in a bloodletting sacrifice ritual, April 16th, 2007. The uh, Moscow subway bombings, the metro bombings were done on March 29th, 2010. The beginning of the BP oil spill, Hitler's birthday, April 20th, 2010, okay? Uh, which the toll is still going on uncalculated for, for that e- ecological disaster. Um, Libya, the United States invaded Libya a few years back on uh, March 19th, once again, the very beginning of the season of sacrifice, March 19th, 2011, Libya was invaded. And just last year, the Boston bombing, April 15th, at the very, uh, almost the middle point, just around the middle point of the season of sacrifice, April 15th, 2013, the Boston Marathon bombings. I mean, if you just think all that's just coincidence, I would make the statement, you're a coincidence theorist. People will say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You think there's something to all of those dates. Well, in relationship to the significance of the season that is actually real and practiced by the dark occult, yes, that there isn't anything uh, that is just coincidental about that. That is something that is deliberately done and planned for, if you ask me. Uh, Again, you can call me conspiracy-minded, but I've been involved in the dark occult myself. I know who these people are. I know what their personality type is. I know that they're psychopathic people. And I know they wouldn't hesitate for a moment if it serves their agendas to kill any number of human beings that they uh, feel that they need to kill in a psyops ritual to get their agendas put forward. So um, uh, people need to be aware this is real. This is still practiced by this dark priest class uh, and these dark occult religionists. This is their religion. That's their belief system. You don't have to believe in it. Once again, you don't need to believe in what these psychopaths believe. They believe in it and they act on it. And if we don't understand their belief system, we're going to still see these events take place and play out and think it's all just coincidence and there's nothing to it. When in fact, these are deliberately orchestrated events during a specific time period to carry out specific agendas that ordinarily they wouldn't be able to push through. So this time period that we are in right now is the time period we need to be the most hyper vigilant about false flags. And I think that's all I'll really say on that topic for this evening. I think I've given enough information to whet people's appetite. And uh, let's go to go to the phones, uh, and then we'll move on to our second topic for tonight, which is psychopathy. Let's go to Joe in Los Angeles. Joe, you're live on what on Earth is happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. 
so nice to finally talk to you. I've been listening to you for quite a while. Uh, let me start with thanking you for all the, the massive amounts of occulted information that you have brought to the light, so to speak. You, you changed me. I, I, I definitely use uh, the ancient mystery tradition of tarot. I use it with regular cards. And let me tell you, A.E. Weight talks about not using it for fortune telling, but it absolutely works to tell the truth. It really, really does. And the, the, the symbols you're talking about with this masonry um, lecture, it, yes. it all fits. Well, so when I was researching it further, uh, based on your, uh, your podcast, I use old uh, masonry dictionaries, alch- alchemic dictionaries, to get the meanings of the symbolisms. And it, it's mind-boggling the amount of not only um, how it's, it's all the same with all these traditions, but then the synchronicities that begin to occur in your life. Yes. You start to, you start to see these things on bumper stickers and uh, uh, license plates and everything like that. Hey, Joe, stay right there. I'll let you pick this up on the other side of the break, and you can go to your question. Just hold on and stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. listening to what on earth is happening let's go back to joe in los angeles joe uh you were making a point and then i think you were going to get to a question go right ahead yeah i was uh, i was just finishing up on just the tarot how accurate you are about your uh your information about the tarot and all the ancient mystery traditions yes uh as well as veganism it absolutely opens up the body and the mind i can't even tell you how much spirituality is entering into me especially now that we're in fourth density uh, a quick comment about your what you were saying, the BP oil spill. That is a, definitely a blood sacrifice. The blood of the earth is oil. That's right. I don't know if a lot of people, if a lot of people realize that, but it is, that is the blood of the earth. If, if, if somebody put an, uh, an oil rig on your body and started sucking blood, you'd know it in about two seconds. So that was a bloodletting uh, ritual for the earth herself. They were attacking yeah. the earth goddess herself right there. Absolutely, and if you don't, if you people that don't, I can understand not seeing it in, in, in this awakening process. But once you hear that and learn that, if you don't believe that, you you're, you are like what you call the unbegun. Because if you cannot see that, I mean, they are they're trying to kill us, dominate us, and this earth, and and they're doing it. They're doing a beautiful job. Just think about um, all the but, names, all the names. Okay, you know you have. You have the Port Arthur, King Arthur, a killing of a king ritual. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, you know, it's an attack on the gates of heaven. Columbine, the goddess. You know, Virginia, the goddess. The BP oil spill was done to the earth with the, you know, letting forth the earth's blood. You think all of that is just accidental? You know, the Boston Marathon done at the place where essentially the American Revolution began. 
I'm, I, these aren't accidental things. I mean, p- people want to see coincidence everywhere. You know, it's not that people want to see conspiracy everywhere. We're seeing patterns. These aren't imaginary patterns, folks. These are patterns that really exist if you're conscious enough to see them. Go, yeah, go ahead, no, that's Joe. You very true. No, no, you're you're dead on as always. It, it, it's true, and it's always this attack on. Um, on the innocent, the, the the feminine, the children. Yes. You know, I mean, there's there's there is very likely. You know, I, I still think the uh, the that coach from Pennsylvania. I think he was just um, like a, a a child pedophile runner. Oh the, sure. The the, the, tr- the the truth is going to come out about that. That that pedophilia ring is going to have its tentacles in our in our government, in the Vatican. Everything. Yeah, Joe, Joe Paterno from Penn State. Absolutely, he was part right. of something way That's bigger, right. way way bigger. And look look at how quickly he died after that all came out. I mean, you you think right. that wasn't an accident? I mean, you think that that was some kind of an accident or coincidence? They needed to take him out before that got out there in a real big way was, was really going on with a pedophile ring at, at that kind of a level. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. He was part of something way bigger. And, you know, very, very sure, low-level person on that totem pole. But he, he was just watching it happen and did nothing. You know, I don't feel bad for that guy at all. Uh, you know, he got exactly what he really deserved. So many people say, oh, what could he have done? He could have done a lot more than what he did. He could have grown a set and come forward and done what was right is what he could have done. And he didn't do that. You know, he just watched it well, let it go on unchallenged. So... Yeah. If you look at it, he, he is your stereotypical secondary psychopath. Right. He's chasing that. He's chasing that golden carrot, just like all these other buttheads with their BMWs and their high-level jobs. Everybody thinking they're going to catch the carrot, and you never are going to catch it, man. They, you are going to be their bitch, and that, and right. people don't real that you don't realize that. That's right. But you know, he, here's my question, Mark. I mean, I could sit and talk to you for days and days and days, man. I'm telling you. But here's my question. You mentioned in an old podcast, I think it was actually an old interview, mm-hmm. about how how the, there are off-planet dark forces feeding off our fear, lit, literally feeding off our fear, eating our fear. Please tell me your your overall arch, story arc, and where you're headed, like you said at the head of the show. Tell sure. me you're headed in that direction, because some of us really are... Uh, again, I mentioned fourth density. Some of us are there. We are so like I talk about being uh, on this earth and not of it. Man, I don't even belong here. And and as the vibrations continue to increase, some of us really, some of these light light workers like me, we really need to know what 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 do you know? Because I know there's much much more that you can uh, enlighten us with, and I know it might alienate some people, but sure. And it will. It it certainly will. Not everyone is going to be comfortable hearing some of the things I'm going to talk about in coming weeks on this show. Let's just say it just like that, right out in the open. Okay? But I cannot stay silent about this. I've prepared the way for long enough. Okay? I've given people a little hint or taste or an outline, you could call it, in my video Cosmic Abandonment on my website in the video section. But what I'm going to do in coming weeks, starting tonight, if if time allows, I'm going to talk about... Uh, I'm going to get into an extensive breakdown of this and go into source material that, that backs this uh, worldview, really, is what it is. It's a view of what happened here in the ancient past that led to the current human condition. That's all it really is. And see, a lot of people won't want to hear it because in their mind, they're dedicated that it is impossible. It couldn't happen that way. Because what they don't want to accept or or come to an understanding of is that Earth is not metaphorically a farm. 
It's literally a farm. And I've talked about this before, and I'm not doing this. The other justification people will say why this all can't be true is they'll say, oh, people take this story and run with it because they're disinfo agents that are what they're really trying to do under the surface is they're trying to annihilate hope in humanity because if we're fighting something that's truly not human in its origin then what chance do we have to defeat it and you know what my answer to that is we have every chance to defeat it and no it wouldn't be disempowering to talk about it out in the open because it doesn't make a difference if human beings are at the top of this agenda of control if demonic entities from other dimensions are at the top of this agenda for control if satan itself in whatever embodied or disembodied form you might want to imagine that force as it doesn't make a difference what is controlling it because the solution is the same to get out of mind control, to rise in consciousness, and to use the lost word, which is no. I am not your slave, and it doesn't make a difference what you do. I'm not going to be complicit with your agenda to enslave myself or others around me. The end. And when we step into that power of truth, game over, no matter what entity lies behind the system of control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and even further, I think people, they don't realize that we really are not human. Well, we're human in this incarnate, but they, but a lot of people think that this is it. And right. I got news for you. This is one of many. You, you, you might have, you might have come back as a, as a completely different entity, as an animal, as a hammer. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. The thing is, we are limitless. We are, we are actually indestructible. Our souls are indestructible. Right. And people don't, people don't realize that. There's but such Mark, a multiplicity of forms and forms of yeah. consciousness. Consciousness is eternal. It goes on. There is no beginning or end for it. That's what we ultimately are at our essence, period. We are spirit at our very essence. This is just an incarnation for experience to be gathered and for us to learn and grow. And we can't be tied to identified in matter. That's why so many people are accepting the chains of bondage that we're all in because they're so identified with this life. They're so identified. They're afraid to die. If you're going to be free, you have to get over the idea that you are just the flesh and you've got to get over the fear of dying. You want to be free. You have yeah. to let it all go. You have to be willing to take the chance that you might go into another incarnation. You know, that's when you'll be truly free, you know, but most and, people, and it, they're it, not it, there it yet. It is freedom. You are, you're absolutely right. But when, once one realizes that, all of a sudden you realize you are eternal. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you look you look back at your mindset before thinking, oh, what do I, I got to do this? I got to hold on to this life. Oh, I don't want to die. I mean, let me tell you, you talk about having no, um, no um, uh, uh, attachment. Try having no attachment to your life. And I got news for you, man. I walk around this earth every day loving that I have absolutely no attachment to that life. And I got news for you. It is empowering as, as you, you would not believe. That's exactly now right. now I know. Joe, I, thank you I, so I, much I, for the I, call. Really, no problem, Mark. really great insights you brought up. I appreciate it. We'll continue Thanks, on the other Good side luck. of this break, folks. Stay with us.
freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. We do have some other callers in the queue, but I'm going to ask them to just be patient. I want to cover some material on psychopathy and its possible origins, and then I'm going to go back to your calls in the second half an hour of this final third hour of the show tonight, and uh, hopefully I could take uh, a bunch of questions about psychopathy and get your take on what its possible origins may be. So... I've talked about psychopathy pretty extensively on past shows, so this is, again, another somewhat of a review topic. But um, let's break down the word first and foremost, and we're working on image number four, slide number four on the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page, or if you're following in the podcast, this is podcast number 149. Psychopathy, if we break down the word, it comes from Greek uh, in its origins, and it comes from the Greek noun psyche, and there it is written in Greek script. Uh, and the word psyche or uh, psyche in English means mind. Okay, and the second part of the word, uh, p a t h y, psyche, and then p a t h y, the second half of the word, comes from the Greek noun pathos. Pathos means suffering in Greek. So we put them together and it means suffering mind, or in other words, sickness of the mind or suffering of the mind, or in other words, mental illness. That's what psychopathy is. And just think about it, you know, pathology, it's the study of illness or sickness. So when we put that together with the psyche, it's about the illness or the sickness of the mind. That's what psychopathy is at its absolute essence. It is pure mental illness and sickness of the psyche. Really, if you go down to it, it's sickness of the soul. Um, And there are many people who will still to this day insist, I still get emails from them, you know. There's no such thing as psychopathy. It's an invented mental illness, as are all mental illnesses. There's no such thing as a mental illness. I mean, this is how naive people are. These are absolute new age children. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. They're new cage children, to borrow the term from Cameron Day and and other researchers, okay? They are children of the new cage movement that haven't grown up, that haven't matured, that don't want to accept the real, that don't want to accept that which is true. Like I've said before in many past podcasts, accept that which is or continue to suffer. Understand and accept truth or get used to the chains, folks. Get used to the chains of bondage. In other words, in other words, respect existence or expect resistance from the universe itself. Okay? Respect that which is, respect existence, or expect resistance from nature itself. Because that's all you're going to get if you want to deny that which is. 
and the people that want to believe it's all of a huge bed of roses here on the earth. And there's no such thing as mentally ill people. I mean, you're naive children. You're not looking at what is, you're looking at what you want to exist, what you want the reality to be. There are such a thing as mentally ill human beings. Mental illnesses are real. All you need to do is open up your eyes, take off the rose-colored glasses, and look at the behavior that's out there. And you don't think that's a product of psycho- of psychological illness? Well, what's, what's it the product of? So, I mean, I, I don't really want emails like that anymore. Okay, look, folks, my mind is made up not because I have a belief system, because I've done enough study and homework over decades of my life. All right? I don't, I, I, you're not going to convince me something I know exists doesn't exist. I've studied it, it extensively from a perspective of psychology and neuroscience. All right? Not pseudosciences. Okay? psychopathy, psychopathology of the mind exists and is real. Get over it. Get over yourself and your own ego. It's, it's again, you don't want it to exist. You don't want to live in that world. Well, tough, tough. It's such, such a shame, isn't it? That is the world, however. So get over yourself. Okay. Now, now, Let's just for, you know, get over the fact that psychopathy exists and let's look at what it actually is. Because a lot of people are in confusion about what it is. They think it's this Hollywood variant of psychopathy. A psychopath, oh, it's got to be a serial killer, right? It's got to be a total lunatic wielding an axe and going after people at random. That's a psychopath. No, that has no, that a psychopath could be that, but that's not what a psychopath has to be like. As a matter of fact, most psychopaths are very good at covering up what they are. They become very good actors. You know, in order to survive, they can feign and pretend to be like a normal human being. And they gravitate into positions of power and they put on that mask, as you see there in image number four, this husk, this shell, this fake human being that's not even a human being, it's an animal that looks like a human being, puts on the mask and tries to look like a human. That's what a psychopath's really adept at. They're very, very skilled at doing that. And that's why naive people who are really children in their psychological makeup, okay, and haven't grown up and haven't become adult human beings psychologically and spiritually, want to believe there's no such thing. Because they don't want to accept that there are other intelligent beings walking amongst us that look human but are not human, that are animals that walk on two legs, but they are not human beings. Intelligent, so-called intelligent creatures. They have intellect. They don't have real intelligence. But they're intellectual creatures that walk on two legs, bipedal. They walk like a human being. They have speech. They talk like a human being. They look just like a human being, but they're not a human. And I'm not just trying to dehumanize a class of human beings. I'm telling you factually, definitively, they are not a human being. What makes a human being a human being is that they are truly sentient and have the capacity to feel. A psychopath does not truly have the capacity to feel. They are like a computer program that's running, which is why this image here and image number four is so great. I saw that. I did a search for images that represent a psychopath, and this is the one that embodies it perfectly. 
It's some sort of a husk, a shell, a wraith that looks somewhat like a human when it puts the mask on, but underneath it's an empty husk or a shell that, that barely even resembles a human being. It's some sort of a shadow, okay? Some empty, degraded husk form that has the vague semblance of a human, but is not a human, most certainly. And until we can understand psychopaths in that regard, you're not going to make any progress in overcoming their influence in this world. Zero. Get used to the chains of bondage, because that's where you're going to be for a long, 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 long time until you accept that this condition exists, that it is real, that it is operating around you, and that these beings are not human beings. They are something other than a human being. So let's look at their characteristics, these animals that look human. They're aggressive, callous, and cunning. They are adept, cunning thinkers. They have intellect, cunning intellect, not true intelligence, because true intelligence engages the feminine aspect of the psyche which is the intuition and the compassion and the creative aspect of intelligence. Holistic intelligence comprises both intellect and the creative generative side of the the, uh, psyche, which these beings do not have. They only have the intellectual side. They have a complete lack, a complete absence of conscience and empathy, which we talked about earlier. No conscience, no ability to feel the repercussions of their behavior toward others. We'll continue with this list of the characteristics of psychopaths right after this break. Stay with us. happening here on Republic Broadcasting. Uh, Talking about the characteristics of psychopaths, let's get right back into it. uh, This is slide number five on my images for tonight's show. They're aggressive, callous, and cunning. Very intellectual creatures, but not true holistic intelligent beings, holistically intelligent beings. They have a complete absence of conscience and empathy. They cannot feel the repercussions in their physiology of what they do to others. And when I say that, I mean it literally. Can not. It's not possible for them to feel empathy. As strange as that is for most people who do have that capacity, okay, there are beings in the universe that that is true for. It would be like if you cut off someone's hand. Then you cauterized it and sutured it up so they didn't bleed out. They would no longer have a hand. They would no longer have the capacity to grasp something in that hand, in that limb, without some piece of artificial technology. The capacity would no longer be there. That's what a psychopath is like when it comes to the ability to feel. They're very adept at manipulating other people, especially emotional manipulation. Real good at at getting to people through their 
emotions, not the psychopath's emotions, through the, the people they're manipulating, through their emotions. They can play up to other people's emotions to then manipulate them and get them to do what they want. They have a strong willingness to just take whatever they want and do whatever they please, and it doesn't make a difference who is hurt or wronged. They don't care about right or wrong. It's meaningless to them. They're meaningless ideas to them. That's all right and wrong are. It has nothing to do with natural law. They don't care that natural law exists. They don't care about the repercussions of breaking it. They just want to do whatever they want, take whatever they want. Whoever is wronged, is, it's meaningless to them. They're an animal. It's not a human being, folks. It's an animal. It's a pure animalistic consciousness embodied in human form. That's what you have to understand that a psychopath is. And get streetwise about this. We need to get streetwise about this. Because these beings are out there among us, feeding off of us. And you know what? People are still in denial of their existence. Still in denial. Because they don't want to believe that's the world they live in. Psychopaths have a deceptive ability to appear, appear outwardly benevolent. And that's because they're really good at feigning normal human emotions. They have a deceptive ability to behave in superficially charming waves to, ways to hide purely selfish motives. They have a willingness to use intimidation and violence to control others in order to satisfy their own needs. They have a willingness to intentionally violate the basic inherent human rights of others. Again, as I said, natural law rights are meaningless to these animals. They have a complete absence of any sense of guilt or remorse. So it doesn't matter who's hurt. They're not going to feel guilt. They're not going to feel remorse. They don't have the capacity to feel guilt or remorse. It isn't that they don't want to feel it. They can't feel it. There's a reason because their limbic brain is not doesn't work the same way as a normally functioning human's limbic system in the brain, the midbrain. The mammalian brain is broken in a psychopath. And there's a reason it's broken, which we're going to get to. Psychopaths have uh, they rationalize their own immoral behavior. So rationalization's a big thing. Oh, I'm not really wrong for doing this. There, there's a re- I have a right to do this. I, I can rationalize it and come up with a reason that it's okay that I just did that harmful behavior. And they'll attempt to lay blame on other people for their own conduct. That's another big characteristic of a psychopath, blaming other people when in fact their own behavior was harmful. They will um, uh, outright deny their own wrongdoing. So willful denial of truth is a big thing in psychopaths. They have total contempt toward the feelings and desires of their fellow beings. What you want, justice, truth, right, uh, nobody violating your natural rights, that's meaningless to a psychopath. They don't care. They don't care. You know, if that's two words that sum up this whole list, don't care. That's what a psychopath is. A being that does not care, doesn't have the capacity to care or feel, period. They will... um, pathologically lie, say anything without any concern for truth in order to advance their own hidden agenda. They, here's key, a key point of their uh, personality trait and char- traits and characteristics. They have a very cunning, manipulative ability to fake, to feign normal human emotions and empathy. They watch other people and their behaviors and, th- and they observe how they behave in certain conditions. Like when a loved one dies, 
and they'll observe genuine emotional sadness and then they'll mimic it like an actor. They will step into that role because they know they're different than other people. They know from a very, very young age that they're not normal human beings, that they're an animal that looks like a human but is not one. And so they have developed this very deceptive ability to act, to play act. You know, watch the TV show Dexter. It's a good example of a secondary psychopath who's play acting and trying to pretend like he feels the same thing thing that a a regular human being feels. While Dexter in that series is not a a primary psychopath, he was created as a secondary psychopath through at a very young traumatic experience that he underwent. That doesn't mean a primary psychopathy does not exist. There are beings who are born like this and it is a genetic condition that is a result of a uh, 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 deformation, a, uh, a mechanism that is not working properly in the human genome, in our genomic code, the code that makes the human species what it is. There are things in that code that are not working right, that are not functioning right. We have anomalies, genetic anomalies in our actual genomic code. Over 4,000 genetic anomalies, genetic deformations that express as different types of diseases, different types of disorders, physically and mentally and psychologically. So, um, psychopaths also have a completely distorted sense of the consequences of their actions. They don't see the consequences. They just act in the moment like an animal. They don't look at the long-term consequences. So you say, psychopaths are destroying the world that they themselves have to live in. Well, that doesn't compute to them. It doesn't matter. They're living fully in instinct because they're an animal without a true ability to care about what they're doing in the present moment that may affect the future, even if it affects their ability to live in the future. That's what you have to understand that a psychopath behaves like. It's so unfathomable to the normally functioning human being that the mind, the soul could be that broken that the, 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 the normal mind often wants to reject it and say, my God, how could a creature such as, such as this exist? You're talking about the proverbial vampire, the proverbial demon. Yes, exactly. Now you're getting closer to, the, to an understanding, if you think of it in those terms, of what a true psychopath is. They have a total failure to accept any personal responsibility for their own socially irresponsible ways. They will not accept responsibility. So forget trying to say, you're responsible for this. You caused this. You were the causal factor of this. Doesn't matter. They don't care. And they have a strong belief that they will never be brought to justice for their criminal behavior. Totally smug. Arrogance. You'll never beat me. You'll never take me down. I'm the top of the pecking order. I'm the top of the food chain. I deserve to be in the position that I'm in and I'll be there forever. That's what they think. That's what they think. Let me tell you something, folks. Their reign is not going to last forever. What I want to talk about in the next section is the origin of this condition. So stay with us.
Lord, a day destroys a night. Night divides a day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. We have to break on through in our understanding of the truth. And what will lie on the other side of that breakthrough is true freedom. If we are willing to go all the way in that truth, and we're going to start venturing into some pretty uncomfortable areas, and psychopathy is one of them, but you know what's even more uncomfortable than understanding that psychopathy exists? And this is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to acknowledge its existence. Because once you understand that this exists, and there's this creature here with us on the earth called the psychopath, which I would say possibly makes up a percent, I mean not even a percent, a portion of a percent of one percent of the population of humanity, if that. Once you understand that that condition exists, what you have to do is wrestle with a profound implication, and that is why does it exist? How was this condition created? Because if it's here with us, there has to be a reason it's here. Something had to make it. Something had to create it and and put the psychopath here on earth with us. So what did that? What is the origin of this seemingly insane condition? You know, yeah, these are insane people. But I'm saying that the actual idea of it seems crazy and insane to even contemplate that something like this could even exist. To those of us who do have normally functioning emotional makeup, a a normally functioning emotional makeup. So my next question that I'm going to pose and people, you know, who call in could take a crack at answering this is what is the origin of psychopathy? Oh, I'm going to look at just four potentials, four possibilities, because, you know, from here, I'm not going to claim I absolutely know the truth of this. I'm going to put what I feel is the best explanation of this out there for people's consideration. So look, folks, I'm not going to claim to know the absolute truth when it comes to this. I feel that I have an educated understanding of this condition because I've studied deeply into what it is, and all of the possibilities regarding why it may exist. So from here on forward, in many of the next shows that I do, we have to understand I'm going to enter the realm of speculation. You shouldn't take my word as gospel truth. At any time, you really shouldn't. I've said that from day one. The worst thing you could do is believe me on anything. You need to do your own due diligence. You need to do your own homework. You need to do your own research. You need to do your own reading and digging. You need to apply the trivia methodology, a truth discovery methodology that is based in the scientific methodology to come up with an understanding that is accurate. Don't just believe anybody. When you read other works, when you read source works which we'll be getting into on the, on future shows we'll be looking at you know ancient texts okay we'll be looking at interpretations of those ancient texts we'll be looking at synthesis syntheses of all this information i'll be reading from a lot of texts 
You can't just take everything at face value. You have to compare and contrast it. You have to look at a whole wide, eclectic variety of knowledge and compare and contrast it. Weed out logical inconsistencies and come to a logical conclusion by processing that, that, inform, that available information. Then maybe we could bring all those pieces to the table and arrive at knowledge and arrive at truth eventually. So, you know, maybe we should call the future shows on what on earth is happening. What on earth very well may have occurred, you know, and that uh, we have to uh, be willing to be open-minded about looking into uh, so that we can come to an understanding about what very well may have occurred here in the ancient past. Maybe that should be the name for upcoming shows on what on earth is happening. Because up to this point, I've covered things that are fairly provably true. You know, and I know are taking place. I could state I know that they are taking place. Here, I could say I'm making a best educated hypothesis regarding what occurred here that led to the current human condition. So again, nobody should be taking this as 100% gospel truth. You sh- again, you shouldn't be doing that with any of my work. No one should be doing that with anybody's work. You should always look at it, compare and contrast it, and then come to a conclusion about it after you've processed the information in great depth. That having been said, let's look at four possible origins for the condition called psychopathy. Possibility number one, and I've heard this from a lot of people who I've posed the question to, hey, tell me where you think psychopathy came from. And people will say it's completely natural. This is a natural evolutionary condition. You know what, people? I personally think this is the most dangerous view to take. I personally think that this is the most... And not to just color this first possibility. We have to consider it, okay? Not to just color it negative and evil right on its face. I'm just saying I personally feel that this is the product of a very poisoned worldview when people think... I've heard people say, I think psychopaths are the alpha humans. These are the people who deserve to be in charge and rule the planet. I've actually heard people state that. That's like saying, how I think of myself is that I actually belong in bondage. I belong in, sla- in, in slave chains. That's that, that's that worldview. It's no different. It's no different than saying, these are the people I believe should be my rulers and slave masters because they have no emotions and no ability to feel. So somehow nature made that condition and has allowed these people to, to rule the roost of humanity through absolute ruthlessness, viciousness, and immorality. And somehow that's a right condition that should continue in nature because my Darwinian religion tells me that that's the quote-unquote natural order. Well, you know what I think of people who think like that? I think they are extensive fools who have bought into a religion called Darwinism, who believe that they are somehow rightfully slaves on this planet, and somehow total absolute lunatics who are mentally ill are somehow in a rightful position of rulership in this world. That's mental illness in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, that's my view on this position, personally, but let's just look at what this position states, that psychopathy is a natural occurrence in nature, it's natural, nature made us this way, made a certain subset of humanity this way, 
that psychopathy is a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's a set of characteristics which developed in humanity, or I should have put down, developed in a subset of humanity, as part of, quote, I should have wrapped this in quote, evolutionary adaptation of our species to certain environmental conditions. And, you know, uh, extreme survival circumstances can create psychopathic tendencies. If you're constantly in fight-flight mode and you're, you're unable to leave that condition mentally and psychologically, you can become a secondary psychopath. I'm not really talking about secondary psychopathy in this question, where did psychopathy come from? I'm talking about primary genetic type 1 or primary psychopathy. The kind of psychopathy that is created through environmental stressors or conditions is secondary psychopathy, which is reversible. Secondary psychopaths are normally, were normally functioning human beings with the ability to feel and empathize at some past point in their lives. And then they lost that due to a traumatic circumstance which they were unable to overcome or escape. Okay? So prolonged fight or flight conditions can create secondary psychopaths. So you could look at it as did prolonged survival circumstances create a subset of psychopathic people? The reason I don't think that's the case, even though, yes, that's possible, okay, is even after prolonged uh, set of survival conditions is in effect, and it maybe it may no longer be in effect, there are still people born with primary psychopathy, genetic psychopathy. So that's why I don't, I don't personally think that this explanation or possibility holds much water. There are people who may agree with it, and that's fine. I'm not going to tell you you must uh, uh, agree with me, but I, I don't believe if you apply Occam's razor, in a sense, to this uh, hypothesis, this possibility number one, that it holds up. Personally, that's my take. Okay. Plus, I don't see that as a true evolutionary adaptation. I think true evolution means we're going toward a higher form of existence in consciousness. And true evolution means we're moving into a more moral place in our being, in our consciousness. Not a less moral one, which is what a psychopath certainly is. So people shouldn't look at these as the alpha humans. They should look at them as the absolute last in line when it comes to the evolutionary development of humanity. They are, they are the ones that are leftovers, if anything, from a prior quote-unquote evolutionary lineage. Okay, this is the lowest form of evolutionary life on the totem pole of human form because it is absolutely not a true human being. It is something that lacks the genuine characteristics of a real human being, which is why I don't accept possibility number one personally. Once again, I'm throwing it out there as a potential, okay, and people should seriously entertain it as a notion and really think about it. Absolutely. Again, I have done that process of uh, taking this in and processing it and really deeply thinking about all the possibilities when it comes to this possibility, number one, that psychopathy is a naturally occurring phenomenon uh, and it, is an, it was an evolutionary quote-unquote adaptation. And I, I personally reject that as the answer to the reason that psychopathy, primary psychopathy exists. So let's look at this second, third, and fourth possibilities for psychopathy's existence in our world when we come back after this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening? Stay with us.
back, everyone. Final segment of What on Earth is Happening here this evening on Republic Broadcasting. Uh, I'm going to just briefly briefly outline these other three possibilities, and then I'm going to try to take a few phone calls so as not to leave the callers hanging. I know I wanted to get uh, more calls in, but uh, I'll, I'll go over these possibilities next week as well as a review before I get into some new material. Possibility number two... Uh, for the possible origins of psychopathy in humanity. It was created by God. God did it. And psychopaths were put here on the earth alongside human beings as some form of punishment to torment human beings for reasons unknown. The creator of the universe just made this absolute condition of mental illness and lunacy uh, and placed these animals here with us to torment us and eat us and, you know, uh, keep us as their slaves somehow, as some form of punishment for something we don't even understand that we did. I see this also as a very dark worldview, as a poisoned worldview, as a uh, dangerous position to take because it leads one to believe that it's all just predetermined and since God did it, there's nothing you could do to fight it. If anything is disempowering, it's that worldview. I also don't take this position. Um... I look at the two final possibilities that I'm going to propose as really the only sensible or possible ones. And that leads us to possibility number three on slide number eight. So we went through slide six and seven as the first two possibilities. Slide number eight, possibility number three, human beings did this to ourselves. We created this condition in humanity because in our ancient past, we may have a we may have uh, arrived at a, a, a culture, a civilization of high technology at some point in our ancient past where we developed genetic technology and we performed a form of genetic manipulation upon ourselves or a subset of our species in an attempt to somehow create new capabilities in our species or improve upon our species, but in our... Um, in our inaccuracy in our genetic manipulation, we inadvertently created certain conditions in the human genome, and psychopathy was one of them. So we inadvertently created it ourselves. Now, that's if you believe the worldview that humanity uh, was once a very high civilization, uh, but it kind of like, um, you know, uh, uh, forged its own path and was in control of its own destiny. That's not my particular worldview or how I see the ancient past having played out. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to be getting into why I don't think that this is the case and why the fourth possibility is the one that I most subscribe to uh, for the actual origin of this condition. And that leads us to slide number nine, that uh, it's possibility number four, that something else did this to us, something other than humanity in other words, something that was non-human, regardless of what you think that may be or what its nature is. I'm not going to sit here and argue and debate over the nature of what that thing was, that non-human form of intelligence. But essentially, this possibility could be described like this. Some other form of intelligence that is decidedly not human created the condition of psychopathy within a subset, at least a subset of humanity, of human beings, either deliberately or inadvertently through some form of genetic modification or manipulation. And to me, this makes the most sense. 
And I know to some people, they'll say that makes the least bit of sense to them because they won't want to wrestle with the implication of non-human entities having been here upon the earth with us in the ancient past or even possibly still being among us in the modern day, in the current day, because they don't want to live in that world. They don't want to even concede the possibility that that could be possible. Yet, many, many, many ancient texts talk about this scenario in extensive detail. And yet, scientism and modern interpretations of these texts claim that these are just mythological stories told by crazy people in the ancient world trying to entertain themselves. You know, I ask people, think of archivists of information. I consider myself an archivist of information. Now, in the modern day, think about how relatively easy that is to do, to preserve and archive data, data sets, we have digital access. We have access to technology and machines that make that archiving process easy. I offer an archive drive. It's called an ARC for short. Amazing repository of knowledge. One terabyte of information on every topic you could possibly imagine under the sun. Okay? To research and study. You don't even have to search the internet. It's all right there on one drive. Really important material. But, but you know... The, the ease at which that can even be done in the modern day. Think about our ancient ancestors, the difficulty that they had in preserving knowledge, the lengths that they had to go, and then sects of dark, the dark priest class and the controllers that they were up against to try to take them out would murder them for attempting to spread this information in that time period. You, it was a direct risk to your life, to your physical life back then. We have it easy in comparison to spread this knowledge, to do the great work. In comparison to our ancestors who were attempting to do this work to enlighten their fellow brothers and sisters, we have it simple. So think about the level of difficulty they would have to go through to preserve this with nothing but ancient so-called technologies, non-technological civilization, you know, different forms of ancient writing pressing forms into tablets, into clay, writing down things on papyrus with reeds, on huge scrolls. I mean, you know, we, it's cake now in comparison. We could throw it on digital devices that are mobile, take it everywhere. You could have a, li- I have a library sitting right here in my hand, a tablet, 6,000 books on a tablet. Our ancestors would weep if they knew we had it that easy compared to what they had to do. So why would they have just told random stories? They were meticulously trying to preserve an account of history, as far as I'm concerned. And we'll be getting into those histories in in later weeks on this show, starting next week. Let's go to your calls for the last few minutes. I know I didn't allow a lot of time. I apologize for that. Let's uh, talk to uh, Gonzalo in Toronto. Gonzalo, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Are you with us? Um, am I coming through clearly? Yes, there you go. We don't have a lot of time. Um, okay, um, I'd just like to say uh, thanks for the show, first of all. Sure. And uh, my question uh, to you would be, uh, in terms of psychopathy, when did you come across it? Because, uh, funnily enough, I see even some musicians and uh, other people integrating uh, their encounters with psychopaths and uh, pushing it off in their art. 
Yeah, I've I've probably been studying it for the greater part of twenty years of my life now. So uh, I'm I've been aware of it for for the lar- larger part of two decades, and have studied it in different capacities from a spiritual perspective, from uh, you know a scientific intellectual perspective in the sense of psychology and neuroscience, etc. Uh, and also looking at its origins or attempting to delve into the explanation for its origins over probably the last decade of my life. So it's been a long journey and a long study for me, and most people haven't even begun a study of this. Most people are not, maybe not most, but many, many, many people are still in denial of its existence, let alone having started an actual rigorous study of it. And that needs to change. We need to make more people aware that this is something that we really need to become aware of and study in depth to understand these beings are all around us. You know, there's not as many of them as there are good people, most certainly, but they are out there and they're in positions of power. Psychopaths weasel their way into positions of power in this world. We prop them up. We're the ones who prop them up. I hope that answers your question. Let's see if we could squeeze one more call in. Let's go to Tyler in Tennessee. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, uh, sir. I don't know what your name is. Uh, this is the first time I've listened to you. Uh, I'm, I'm Mark Passio. My website's whatonearthishappening.com. Do, doing a show here every Saturday night, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. And Mark, I, I, uh, I'm an RBN listener and everything like that. I usually listen during the day, but some for some reason I'm listening to you tonight. And I was compelled to call. Um, I, I just wanted to. Uh, I'm a Scorpio. My birthday's October 28th, and I I just wanted to relay to you a dream that I had. Tyler, I'll tell you years. what. I'll tell you what. You call into the next show. We're out of time, unfortunately. Call in next week. I'll put you right through. You could tell me about that dream. That's all the time we have for this episode, folks. We'll see you right here next week. Thanks for listening.